Hey everybody, welcome to Church Online. How cool is this? I want to start with a massive shout out to all our campuses, whether you're in Pangarei, uh, the city, Botany, Manoriva, Papakura, Pukekohe. I just want to welcome you all. It's a real honor and a privilege to share uh, God's Word with you today. Uh, you can access the message notes simply by clicking on the notes tab right there on your screen. I pray this message today will speak and minister to you right where you are uh, as we open our hearts to God's Word. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing uh, by the Word of God. Today I want to speak to us about waiting, about being in a waiting season. And I've titled this message, Surviving the Wait. Now there's something you need to know about me and I know there are others out there who can relate to this. Uh, when I buy something online and I'm given a due date, I don't know about you, but I expect that parcel to arrive on that due date. And if it doesn't, I start to get incredibly impatient and frustrated. Every day I track the parcel as to where exactly it is each step of the way. I can see it has left the port of destination. Good. Uh, the sender has honored their commitment. So where is it? The due date has come, but for some reason I don't have the parcel and all I can see on my tracking app are the irritating words in transit. When I ring the postal company and I ask them, where my parcel, it, parcel is, all they can tell me is the same thing. Um, it's in transit. I've got to be honest with you. I hate those words. I get angry. I get grumpy. I get agitated. I turn into a, I don't know who, but I just can't stand those words in transit. Honestly, what does that even mean? No one knows. It's somewhere out there. I just hate the whole waiting game. I remember a few years ago, I, I had to have surgery done on my left eye. I was asked to be at the hospital at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, it was a quick procedure, nothing major. I was there on time and the staff got me prepared for surgery and, the, and then began the wait. I was so bored waiting. I just wanted to get my surgery done and go home. An hour and a half later, they finally took me in for surgery. The actual, actual surgery only took 15 minutes. Uh, it's the waiting game. Uh, I remember 19 years ago, I saw this young lady sharing her testimony at church. I, it was my wife, Sharon. I knew straight away I was going to marry her. I had one problem. My father-in-law told me I had to wait. You think Pharaoh and the Bible was tough? My father-in-law was tougher. He made me wait. In the meantime, I also had another problem. There were five other guys in the youth group that liked Sharon too. I had to keep chasing all those foxes away. I remember one, one time one of them came up to me for prayer after a Sunday night service. He told me, Boyd, I want you to pray for me because God told me I'm going to marry Sharon. I was like, hmm, okay, is that right? Let me pray for you, brother. A very strong prophetic anointing came over me. I told him God was calling him to be a missionary in the Middle East. He was to go immediately. I told him not to be a Jonah. I gave him this word with the laying on of hands accompanied with the thoughtful ministry. Well, I haven't seen him since then. My father-in-law finally gave me the green light to marry his daughter, then on my wedding day, my bride was over an hour late. She made me wait. Two of my groomsmen fainted. They actually fainted. The truth is, we spend a lot of our lives in a waiting room in one way or another. According to research, an average human being will spend six months of their life waiting at traffic lights. 
Research also shows an average human being will spend 12 months of their life looking for their keys. This means your spouse will also spend 12 months of their life waiting for you to find your keys. Research also shows that we will spend two years of our lives playing phone tag. We will spend five years of our lives on the phone being put on hold or waiting for someone to answer our call. The truth is, it often can feel like we live much of our lives in waiting. Maybe you are waiting for your miracle. Maybe you are waiting, waiting, waiting for your breakthrough. Maybe you're single, ready to mingle, waiting for your future spouse to come. Maybe you're waiting to get out of school and into the next season of your life. Maybe you're waiting for your dream job or home. Maybe you're waiting to have kids while others are waiting with great anticipation for their kids to leave home. Maybe you're waiting for your promise from God to be fulfilled. So the big question today is, how do we survive the wait? Today I want us to focus on two things. Firstly, I want us to look at what a season of waiting does in us. And secondly, I want us to look at how we wait. So let's look at the first one. What does the season of waiting do to us? What does waiting do within us? Why does God make us wait? I mean, if He created the whole world in six days, why doesn't He take care of our problems immediate, immediately? Why doesn't He answer our prayers instantly? What does he make? Why does He make us wait? Well, let me give you three things that a season of waiting does within us. Let me encourage you to write them down. Here's the first one. Waiting develops our character. Waiting develops our character. There are times in life God will take us through a season of waiting to develop our character. Here's the truth. Time waiting is not time wasted. Let me say that one more time. Time waiting is not time wasted. During our times of waiting, God is always working in our lives. And, and I love this in Romans 5 verses 3 to 4. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Listen carefully. First comes the waiting. Then comes the patience. Then comes the character. It's all part of God's process of developing our character. The truth is, God's greatest goal for you and for me is not our comfort, but our transformation. It's a process. Transformation is a process. Often in life, we want the blessing, but we're not willing to go through the process. We want the breakthrough, but we're not willing to go through the process. We want the anointing, but we're not willing to go through the process. We want the outcome, but we're not willing to go through the process. So often we are all about the destination, but we're not willing to take the journey. Take an old camera. Now I'm not talking about digital cameras. I'm talking about a good old fashion, you know, the good old ones with the actual film strips. Now before you develop a picture with one of those cameras, all you can see is the negative. Only when it is fully developed does the full color and detail all come, all come out. Let me tell you, God does the same thing in our lives. So often we can only see the negative, the problems, the difficulties, the challenges, the lack and the weight. All we can see is the lockdown right now. And we wonder, what is God doing? But the truth is, 
God often allows and uses difficult times in our lives to bring out the full color of our personality, to develop our character, our gifts, and our abilities in order to grow us and impact this world. My life, I have learned one important principle. God needs to do something in me before he can do something through me. So number one, waiting develops my character. Number two, the second thing that waiting does to us is that waiting deepens our compassion. Waiting deepens our compassion. Here's something I've learned about waiting. Waiting causes you to slow down enough to notice other people. That's exactly what the season we're currently in has done to so many of us. When we stop and notice others, we begin to see their hurts, their pain, and that in turn causes us to feel compassionate, uh, compassion towards them. Let me tell you, compassion and, and empathy are godly attributes. And I love this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. God often will let you and I go through times of waiting so that we can develop compassion, so that we can comfort and help other people who are going through tough times in their lives. Let me tell you, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. Waiting deepens our compassion. Number three, the third thing that waiting does to us is that waiting directs our choices. It's amazing how Having to wait can change the course of our lives. There are times in our lives when we know exactly where we are headed and we're going as fast as we can towards that goal. We want to get there as soon as possible and we are going full speed ahead. Then all of a sudden, God somehow hits the pause button. Let me tell you, I don't like that when God has, hits the pause button. And He says to us, I want you to stop, pause, don't move. I want you to wait here for a moment. I want to speak to you. There are some things I want to show you. There are some lessons I want you to learn here. Wait. Sometimes in a season of waiting, we realize the direction we want to take is not actually where we're supposed to be heading. And we realize that God actually wants us to move in a new direction. And as a result, the entire course of our lives is changed because of that season of waiting. It's amazing how a short time of waiting can help us see our lives in a brand new way. I love this in Psalm 23 verse 3. He renews my strength. He guides me along right path, bringing honor to his name. I've learned that one of the ways that God guides me onto the right, right path is through times of waiting. God uses detours to direct our choices. So waiting develops our character, deepens our compassion, and directs our choices. So we know why, we need to know how. How do we wait in our season of waiting? Very quickly, let me give you four practical tools for waiting. When you're in a season of waiting, when you find yourself in that in-transit phase, number one, remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. God's word is full of promises. There are over 7,000 promises in the word of God. Find them, claim them, and begin to declare them over your life. We must never forget in the dark what God has shown us in the light. May 2015 was the most difficult time my family has ever been through. I remember so clearly the day we got the news. 
shares of the team were setting up for Mother's Day at church while I took my mom um, to a routine follow-up mammogram check. Uh, when we got to the super clinic, the lovely nurse took me and my mom into, my into a room. Uh, she put a file on the desk uh, and she said to us, the specialist will come and see you in a minute. Uh, and she walked out of the room. My mom said to me straight away, I think something's up. Uh, the specialist walked in and immediately told my mom, I'm sorry to tell you this, you have stage three breast cancer. Let me tell you, when I heard those words, those words rocked my world, rocked my whole family's world. No one saw it coming. I don't remember what the specialist told us for the rest of the meeting. I don't remember driving home. We had four Mother's Day services to celebrate at church that weekend. A month later, my mom went for surgery and started chemo. While she was going through chemo, I had to take three funerals of precious ladies in our church who died of cancer. All in the space of three months, it was a very difficult time for us. I watched my mum during, during the storm that she was going through. There was not one day she complained. I never heard her complain. She attended the funerals of all these three amazing ladies in our church. During her chemo treatment, she lost all her hair. She lost weight. She was losing strength, she couldn't eat, she couldn't move, she could hardly do anything. But I'm here, to, I'm here to testify to you today that she came through that storm because of God's presence. His presence was with her and he, and he carried her through. As a family, we declared the promises of God over her life. God brought us out of a war-torn nation, Sri Lanka. God brought us out of that nation. He had proved himself faithful in the past and we knew he would be faithful in this season and the future and the future to come and in the future to come. Last Sunday, my parents celebrated 54 years of marriage as well as the fact that she's now five years cancer-free. Let me tell you, he's a faithful God. Maybe you are going through a health challenge right now or you have a family member going through a tough time let me declare the promises of God over you in your situation right now in Isaiah 43 verses 2 to 3. Verses two to three I love this. Don't be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Listen carefully. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Number one, when you're waiting, remember God's promises. Declare the promises of God over your life, over your situation. Number two, when you're waiting, don't take shortcuts. Don't try to take shortcuts. Here's the truth. Shortcuts are always short-sighted. Shortcuts never give us the whole picture. Shortcuts only create more, more trouble, more mess. We live in a society that values speed. But, that, but God doesn't value speed. He values doing it right. We will all be tempted to take shortcuts at some point in our journey. Shortcuts such as moral shortcuts, financial shortcuts, relational shortcuts, ethical shortcuts. These shortcuts will tempt us to do something fast instead of doing something right. The truth is God blesses people who do what He says even when they don't understand what He's asking them to do. And I love this in Galatians 6, 9. It says, And let us not get tired of doing what is right for after a while, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing 
if we don't get discouraged and give up. When you're waiting, remember, God's promises don't take shortcuts. Here's my third and final point. In a season of waiting, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. And I love this in Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event under heaven. The Bible says there is a time for everything. There is an appointed time. God has a timetable for everything. And His timing is always perfect. Write these words down. At the appointed time. At the appointed time. At the appointed time, He will open the right doors. He will open doors that no one can close. And He will close doors that no one can open. God's got this. God's got you. He's never too late. He's never too early. He's always perfectly on time. Our response to God's timing, our response to a waiting season is faithfulness. Faithfulness seldom gets the attention of people. But let me tell you, God always notices. I have found in life there are times I want God to hurry up, but there is a waiting period involved. And the truth is that uh, there is nothing you can do to speed it up. The best thing you can do is to cooperate with Him in the process, embrace the process, and prepare for what is to come. Do you realize that while you're waiting on God to birth something new in your life, He takes you through a process? Today, I want to, I want to say to everybody watching this right now, trust the process and trust your Creator. Let me, con- con- let me conclude with this. When you're in a waiting season, when you're in a season of waiting, when you're in that in-transit phase, remember to walk like Enoch, obey like Noah, believe like Abraham, dig like Isaac, wrestle like Jacob, dress like Joseph, stretch like Moses, conquer like Joshua, come back like Samson, lead like Deborah, dance like David, judge like Solomon, confront like Elijah, plow like Elisha, pray like Daniel, weep like Jeremiah, worship like Mary, speak truth like John, climb up like Zacchaeus, shout like Bartimaeus, give thanks like the leper, come out like Lazarus, preach like Peter, serve like Stephen, break out like Silas, overcome like Paul, love like Jesus. Let me tell you, Isaiah 40 verse 31, it says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let me tell you, if we do the natural, He will do the supernatural. When we do the ordinary, He does the extraordinary. Time waiting is not time wasted. In a moment, I want to pray for you. If you're in a season of waiting, maybe you're in that in-transit phase and you are frustrated right now you're frustrated with God you are frustrated with the whole process you're trying to speed it up and you're like God what is going on maybe you're on the verge of giving up today I want to say to you he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it if God has started an amazing work in you he's faithful to complete it I want to pray for you wherever you are right now if you're comfortable would you mind raising your hands up Wherever you are, I can't see you, but God can see you. And that's all that matters. I want to pray for anybody in that waiting season. Uh, If that is you, you can go ahead and comment below on the chat. And there's a team of people that love to pray with you right now. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for every single person watching this live stream right now. God, I pray you see their hands. You see their hearts. God, your word says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. God, I pray that strength 
will be renewed right now in this season as we wait. God, we want to say to you, we trust you. We trust your time timing. We trust your timetable. At the appointed time, you will make it happen. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will enter every living room, every house. Will you enter the hearts of every person watching this live stream right now? God, I pray for strength. I pray for hope. I pray for faith. We put our hope and our trust in you. Our hope is in the name of the Lord. Our help comes from the Lord. So we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We're not looking to the left or to the right. We're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. So Father, I pray right now for every person watching this live stream. Maybe somebody is facing a major health health challenge, a health attack right now. God, I declare by your stripes, we are healed. God, I pray for healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Maybe... People, people have lost their jobs or their businesses have to close as a result of COVID-19. God, I declare that you're our provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Maybe somebody is in the midst of a storm right now. God, I pray for your presence. We may be, we may be in a storm right now, but you are with us in that storm. You are in that boat. We put our hope and our trust in you. Lord, our hope comes from you. Our hope, our trust is in the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So Father, I pray for freedom in the hearts and lives of your people right now. In Jesus' name we pray. I never like to finish a message without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're watching this live stream right now. Maybe you, you ended up on this live stream by accident. You never planned to be on uh, watching this right now. But let me tell you, God knew this moment even before you were born. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a simple but powerful prayer. Let me tell you, Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He, you, he loves you. Your life matters to Him. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. If that is you, would you pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart? Maybe you prayed this prayer and you walked away from, from God, but let me give you an opportunity to come back and pray this prayer. Let me tell you, your Heavenly Father is waiting for you. So it will be my greatest honor and privilege to lead you in this prayer. Can we pray together? Repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for taking my place. I ask you for forgiveness. I invite you into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for taking my place. I believe in Jesus. Amen. Friends, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Now, if you prayed this prayer, whether this is the first time you prayed or you are recommitting your life to God, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and click that button that's going to pop up in a moment. I want you to simply let us know that you made that decision. I want you to respond to that. Let me tell you, today is the greatest day of your life. In a moment, Pastor Steve Green will come and and tell you your next step. Let me tell you, let me say to you, congratulations. This is the most defining moment of your life. You know, let me encourage you to get baptized, keep reading the Bible, keep coming back to our online services. Uh, you know, when we get back to our, uh, you know, physical uh, church services, uh, you know, in our buildings, we would be honored to have you at one of our campuses. Today is the greatest day of your life. Well, I want to say to the rest of the church, we love you. We are praying for you. Remember, the best is yet to come.